Business Class listeners. Yes, Business Class listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wisco Weekly. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco. And on this episode, my guests and I actually do a really good job of not getting political because this is very much a politically charged topic, and that is the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom in my home state of California, especially after the latest news of Andrew Cuomo resigning. This is kind of like Brexit happening, and soon after Brexit, there was the campaign of Donald Trump, and no one thought that he would win, and he did. And so the recall Newsom campaign is starting to pick up some steam. The vote occurs September 14th, at least in person. Ballots should be mailed out prior to that, about 30 days, if I read the instructions correctly from the Secretary of State. So you should receive those ballots here very soon. And on this particular episode, my guest, Oren Heatley, who is the lead proponent the executive leader of the Recall Newsom campaign. I wanted to talk to him about the business side of the Recall campaign. So we get into what is his management strategy and his style. We get into the Facebook's grassroots campaign, the benefits of radio advertising, the cost per signature, and a lot more. And so I think for those that are interested in knowing how a grassroots campaign works, this is going to be a really thoughtful and hopefully insightful episode for you to listen to. Speaking of thoughtfulness and insightfulness, if you're not already a paid subscriber of the Not Your Father's Economy podcast channel in which Wisco Weekly is a part of, then consider signing up membership, or if you want to become a subscriber, it's about $8.49 a month or $94 for the year. You can cancel at any time. I'll be launching an episode next week that goes through the steps that I helped implement at UC Irvine when we created the Rip-A-Meter's hand sign and how we did that at a grassroots marketing level. So that will come out next week. And in addition to next week, My guest will be another proponent, another executive of the campaign. He's helping Orrin Heatley in his efforts to get this campaign down the home stretch and hopefully succeed all the way through. And that is Mike Netter. He's going to be on the podcast next week. So a lot of things going on with Wisco Weekly. Thank you very much for all those that have tuned in and supported the show. Thank you to Automotive Mastermind who's supported Wisco Weekly for a long time now. So thank you to Automotive Mastermind. Now let's get into this episode with Mr. Orrin Heatley as he talks about the business side of the Recall Newsom campaign. You are now tuned in to... The Wisco Weekly Experience. Hi, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly Business Class listeners. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the show. And business class, 
shit. Let's just start with shit. There is a much big conversation that is going to be happening over the next few few months in my state of California. And in today's episode, we are going to be hearing from the lead organizer of the Recall Gavin Newsom campaign. And as much as possible on this particular episode, we're going to go through more of the business aspects of the campaign, although certainly, of course, it might get political. And you know what? If that's the case, that's okay too. So men, women, and children, please welcome to the show, Mr. Oren Heatley. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm really well. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Oren, uh, I've had the chance to just kind of dig into the organization and yourself a little bit over the last few days. I want to first off say that this is this is something that we have to do a virtual handshake on. Okay. <laughs> Again, most of this most of the most of this episode here, I want to really focus on the business aspects of the recall campaign. Though certainly it could get political. I'm going to try to stay away as much as possible from the political aspects. I want you to hold my feet to the fire, and I will try to do the same to you. Again, I I think, if anything, the most interesting thing to learn about is, you know, in a lot of ways, you could say that so far, this recall campaign has been a success. So then let's kind of reverse engineer that to see what you did, what your team of people did, and potentially how this can help other business leaders out there. So first off, Oren, maybe... Let's start with a softball question here, okay? Maybe tell us, what is a day in the life of Oren Heatley? I'll give you a little bit of background into my history. Um, Started out as a uh, small business manager with the family business. My brother and I ran a couple of restaurants and concession stands here in Folsom, California, Sacramento area. Um, We then ended up buying a bar and, and grill down in the Delta. And... I left that family business to pursue a career in law enforcement. It was a calling of mine. I spent 25 years with the Yolo County Sheriff's Department, and I recently retired as a uh, sergeant after 25 years. And after retiring, um, you know, I had a, a, a couple of back procedures and I was laid up pretty well and kind of started paying more close attention to uh, politics in my area and our state and what was going on around us. And I saw some things that had disturbed me. So I decided to become involved in a local or a a recall effort um, to recall this governor. And that was ran by Erin Cruz. And she's a congressional candidate down in Southern California. Um, I was excited about participating in the effort and thought it had a real good chance at, at succeeding until I got knee deep into it, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, months into it. And I realized that it, it really lacked some fundamental um, components that it needed in order to be successful. Tell me about those fundamental components. Well, at, at, at some point we, I realized that it didn't have what it, what it needed to be successful. There was a lack of leadership, a lack of, of communication. There was no management. Um, they, they really had no plan. And at that point, I made a decision to utilize the remainder of that recall effort as a, a live training drill 
to learn everything that I could learn about the process because I'm not a politician and, you know, I'm not a public figure. I've never delved into this arena before. Um, I have management experience. I have, you know, working with large scale operations and I have training through the, through my career running the corporations and operations, things like that. So what I wanted to do was, was learn everything I could about this arena because it was foreign to me and address a lot of those frustrations that people had had during that campaign, a lot of the stumbling blocks, and then apply those lessons learned to this campaign so we could overcome those hurdles and give it the best chance at success that we could possibly give it. So we identified, uh, uh, I, I, at first, let me back up. Um, I started to formulate my own business plan uh, under the National Incident Management System of Management and the NIMS, National Incident Management System is a paramilitary uh, operation of management. It's, it's used widely in law enforcement. It addresses a lot of key components with managing uh, organizations or um, operations, as we call them, in law enforcement. So basically, you take what resources you have available now, and you address the problems at hand with what you have. And then as more resources come in, and as the environment changes, you adjust to it. It's a it's a very nimble management system, and it, it's not it's nothing like you see in the corporate world. Okay, this is going to be very foreign to a lot of people that are listening to this. Okay, walk me through this here a little bit because uh, this is kind of interesting, right? Because I'd say more in the corporate world, right? You're going to take a problem that's out there, then find the solution for it, right? It sounds like the first step or, you know, what we would call in, in let's say, science in the scientific world is, say, first principles. The first principles of what you were doing was not to say, not to identify the problem per se, but what are the resources available to you? Well, the problem is, was already presented. It, you have, so. What was, the, what, was, what was the problem that you identified? Because obviously it's too easy to say that, well, we need. We need a new governor, and that's the problem. I'm sure that wasn't the problem, right? So <laughs> it, it's uh, in a lot of ways, it is that simple, but it, it becomes very complicated because you have to, you know, with the national incident management system, you have key components. You have logistics, field operations, uh, public information officer. You have, you know, there there's this checklist that you have to knock through. Um, so you identify the problems. Okay, communications. It was a huge problem. There was a lack of communication within that organization. Um, lack of management, lack of leadership. In my world, if a pro project of this magnitude dies on the vine, it dies of two, there, there's usually two causes of death. Lack of leadership or ineffective leadership or death by committee. <laughs> okay and and i'm sure there are a lot of people that are going to listen to this that are going to nod their head at that okay oh, yeah. so um and if something dies on by committee it's because of the failure in leadership okay that that's that's one of the components that you know you have to have a strong leader and guidance and somebody with good solid direction but 
you know, at, at the same point, egos can get in the way in that manner. And, you know, somebody could think that they're a good solid leader, but they're just driving the ship into the rocks at the same point. Sure. So we identified, I identified that, you know, that there was a couple of issues and I, I began to, as I'm using this training mission during the first recall to identify some of the frustrations and issues that were causing its failures, I began to network and build my own team from within good, solid, strong people who I could work with and, and kind of put into key positions that I needed fulfilled. I have, I had, I built an entire organization around this mission within a short period of time. I have a executive team, six executive managers. Um, we have 240 administrators. There's 17 regional managers, three state supervisors and a state administrator. Jesus. And I have one paid employee. Jesus. We were able to pull this entire operation off with one. I've, I've had three employees at one time, but at any given time, I've only had the, the most amount of employees that we've actually had on the books was two. Okay. I had a, a media specialist who came in, it's $5,000 a month. And then uh, our treasurer and compliance officer, political compliance officer, one and the same. Um, she's been with us from the beginning. So, and she's, she is literally the only paid employee that I have at the moment. Well, so. tell, me, tell me about, so aside from the paid employee aspect, obviously, you know, you're, you, you have a, you sell merchandise, you take in donations. Can you give me the size of the current operating budget? And we I don't sell merchandise. What we do is we, we bring in merchandise, you know, um, different flags, yard signs, mm -hmm. uh, things like that, bumper stickers. We hand that stuff out and give people a remit envelope and have them turn it back in. It's, it's counterproductive for us to try and actually sell stuff in this state on this on a statewide level because the property taxes are almost, or not property, but uh, sales taxes are almost impossible for us to track and logistically impossible for us to work as a fulfillment center and things like that. We've worked, tried to work with some fulfillment centers. It was just overburdening and, and counterproductive. So we just cut, cut that chase and moved on to just taking donations and giving the, the material out. And so, so can, you, can you give me uh, an idea, maybe break, a breakdown of the the donations you get you know i i imagine these are maybe on the smaller end five dollars twenty five a hundred dollars or hundred dollars five five to a hundred dollars um our our general donations we just did a uh, our biannual report for the federal political or fair political protection commission and i think that was about 600 pages long of each individual donation that we that we take in and our and, expenditures and things. And, and so what, what does that, how many does that total out to be? 600 pages equates to how many donors? I, you know what we have about, I believe 10,000 individual donors and many of them have made multiple donations. We brought in over a million dollars in the course of this project, just under a year. Um, 
you know, there, there are other organizations that are out there that have been working towards the same goal that we're working, but on an independent and separate level. Uh, Rescue California is a paid political, run by paid political consultants. And they were able to raise $3.5 million. They use that money to send it around um, direct mailers and use paid circulators. So there's four ways. So our objective, <clears throat> let me go back three steps. With the management system that I employed into this operation, it, it applies itself. Orrin, real quick. So obviously, yep. you with your military background, I know you give these kinds of operations names. Do you, did you have a name then for the, something like this? J just uh, California Patriot Coalition to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh, come on. That's you, our. You that's our. You should be more creative than that. When, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually talking about when you we, when you formulated more like kind of the business plan using that NIMS model. Did yeah. you kind of say, okay, this is going to be. Operation NIMS, and then all right, now you're starting to go through the process of, you know, writing all the things down that you need, the, who the people are, what your resources. Did you give that a name at all? I didn't give it any. It didn't have any creative okay. military okay. names. No, I mean okay. there there was some joking around the the uh, table about certain names that we could come up with, but none of that's for public dissemination. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think uh, one was uh, a an acronym for crap, <laughs> but for crap, <laughs> California recall and Patriot. I don't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't. You're, you're really close. You're really close. Well, I, I was going anyway. to replace P with not Patriots, but something else, but okay. It, it, Yep. Yep. So moving forward, though, um, basically, the, the reason that this model worked for us was you have a singular mission. It's a short term operation and you have a rapidly expanding management need. OK, we have 58 counties in California. We had to have representation in each of the 58 counties. One of the one of the uh, things that I did to overcome the lack of communication within the first go around was I established a communication network through the Facebook platform. We we quickly put together a foundation of 58 different groups, one for every county. They're all titled the same. You can go to Facebook at recall, type in the uh, search bar, recallgavin2020.com, and you'll see 75 groups. There are 75 groups there because we have one for each of the 58 counties. And then we subdivided the higher populated areas into different regional groups uh -huh. um, and named those for like Los Angeles County would be uh, the San Fernando Valley, Antelope Valley and things like that. Uh -huh. OK, so these groups are not your typical public debate forum. They are a communication platform for the volunteers. They're a working group. And we have very strict guidelines within those groups of what people can post and what they can't post. And we also included uh, all of those managers, all of those administrators are included into a management group, which is the administrators only. And that's by invitation only. And that's where the the state team can communicate with the county teams on a one-to-one -one basis real time right now and that's critical on a, on a fast moving basis like this because believe it or not there's a lot of stuff that crop up during an operation like this throughout the state we've been sued twice by um 
by businesses, you know, claiming that our volunteers were on their property unlawfully, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so they file lawsuits and, you know, there's a lot of fires to put out, but we use this as a communication platform where we can communicate statewide. We can disseminate material and information out and we can also receive it in at the same rate. It's all real time. It's up and down, you know, both directions. If somebody wanted to talk to me specifically, my phone number was always on the website that's broadcast publicly. So a member of the public, the press, our volunteers, if they want to talk to the boss, they get to talk to the boss. And mind you, I understood what I was getting into when I did that, but I also knew the importance of some of these phone calls couldn't be just left to uh, you know a group of volunteers that are fielding information. Um, and a lot of those calls were very beneficial, um, very influential. So on the organization of these Facebook groups, on one hand, I don't know too much about the you know Facebook groups in terms of setting one up, but I do know that in some of the groups that I'm a part of, there's definitely, you know, Facebook definitely enforces uh, some strict regulations when it comes to what's posted in these Facebook groups. It Correct. seems like you kind of proactively and preemptively kind of already said, guys, or, you know, for, for people that sign up in these Facebook groups, guys, you got to play nice that, you know, bar none. Like if, if yep. you're not playing nice, then forget about it. But, and, are there, are and, there, uh, but, but are there any, uh, were there any aspects where you were running into issues with Facebook in trying to organize something like this? Well, Facebook actually went in in September and removed my profile and eliminated me from all of those groups. So I had ownership of all of those groups at one point, right? So as soon as they went in and they deleted my profile for no good reason, I mean, they, they have their, their reasons that they've made, but they won't, they won't release why they did it. They won't tell me why they did it. They won't, um, they haven't answered do you recall, my Do you recall what actions led up to it or was it? I was I was never given a warning or any hint or inclination that they were going to remove my group. And the only the, the only reasoning that I can come up with is I believe the guy's name is Jason Kenny. He's the uh, he's the lobbyist for Facebook, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on his name, but um, he was one of the 50 members that attended the French Laundry dinner with the governor during that during that controversial dinner. And, uh, you know, somewhere around that time, my Facebook profile disappeared. Hmm. <laughs> so hmm, there's a lot of suspicions that I have. But, you know, and, we, and, and we, right now, right now, Orrin, you still don't have a Facebook then profile. That, well, I jumped onto a, a proxy profile uh, yeah. and I assumed a different identity on Facebook so I could okay. continue okay. to manage the operation and still get things done. Uh, Facebook has since allowed me to go in and recreate an, another profile under my name, but not with, you know, I had 5,000 followers. I had, you know, a, a, a lot of operation, you know, under me that I had to recreate from scratch. Mm -hmm. So um, moving forward though, you know, we made, made it clear. There was no posting about national politics, Trump, no postings about COVID, the COVID virus or 
vaccines or QAnon or, you know, any of these controversial issues that were popping up, um, you know, people, a lot of people were very upset that we weren't going to allow any of these postings because, you know, they wanted to drive that agenda forward. But at the same point, we had a mission to accomplish and none of those topics met the goals of our initiative. We, we only allowed focused comp communication and conversations on the recall uh, aspects, events that were coming up, the, what the governor was doing that was important to the recall and local community issues that mattered that, was a, that would affect the events related to the recall. That was it. Anybody that didn't um, adhere to those standards were removed from, from our groups. And we removed a lot of people from the groups. We have about, uh, we, at one point, we had over 700,000 members that we had access to. But during the, what we call the September purge from Facebook, where they went in and purged a lot of groups and a lot of, uh, um, you know, different political affiliated uh, profiles, not getting political here. But <laughs> it's, it's not political yet. It's not. We're, we're they, still good. We're they, still good. They went in and removed a lot of these profiles, and that that they took one group out that was labeled Open California. It was Open California had a hundred and seventy five thousand members on it. Overnight gone. Wow. Just like that. Okay. And here's you know here's a free speech platform, not getting political, but these people were engaged in you know open dialogue and free speech and you know facebook didn't uh, like or approve the the uh direction or whatever the politics of that group so they just eliminated it uh, we had another one flip it red which was run by a good friend of mine susan o'connor who maintained the same policies that we did her group had i think eighty thousand members on it gone these are all groups that we had access to. They were our um, um, profile or ancillary communication uh -huh. groups. That's where there was a lot of dialogue and stuff that was acceptable. It was more of a debate platform, but we could communicate to the public there. Our groups now have about a quarter million people on them. And these are, these are volunteers, members of the public, people that are interested in the recall and they all abide by the rules and regulations of our groups. No national politics, nothing about COVID or Trump or, you know, uh, QAnon or global warming or anything like that or climate change. But if if national politics became, you know, it, it bled into state politics, then obviously that's met the litmus test of allowing people to post whatever, you know, whatever they wanted to say. So when, for instance, with COVID, right, if when there was something with COVID and vaccines and masks and there were things coming from the federal government and the CDC, and if that all of a sudden bled into the way that uh, the state of California, Newsom, was, um, you know, handing down his policies, then that was OK. If yeah. And if it affected like uh, if there were restrictions for our rallies or anything like that, I, for example, I put on a rally at the uh, state capitol on may 1st 2019 or tw yeah 2020 let me let me back up 2019 this is just let me back up back up back up i gotta get the dates right okay because i've been doing this for two years <laughs> going on three years um <clears throat> we put on a 
rally out at the state capitol, there were probably 5,000 people in and around the front lawn of the Capitol. There was another 5,000 people that were circling the Capitol in their cars, and it literally caused gridlock for the entire downtown Sacramento for that day. There were 32 people arrested that weren't actively protesting or anything like that. They were literally arrested for failing to uh, social distance, failing to meet the health care or uh, the health care mandates that was imposed by the governor and well so you so this is may 2020 then not 2019. Yes. Yeah. yeah you're right yeah so he had turned the uh, highway patrol loose on everybody that was on the capitol grounds and kicked our entire um not protest our rally our the public off the capitol grounds and uh you know just caused a big problem where the weeks after that there were a lot of violent protests that were going on damages the the uh, statue of Unipero Serra was was torn down on the capitol grounds and not one arrest was made mm -hmm. yeah right right so now we're delving into politics now we're doing a little <laughs> politics here and uh, I, I i i recall these incidents so, very clearly but uh, let's go back to the facebook thing because this is a little bit interesting what were some other issues that you were facing with organizing on Facebook? So you had all these groups that were banned. You yourself were banned, suspended, eliminated, removed. Um, you know, advertising. Did you do advertising? And was that difficult to meet the threshold of advertising on Facebook? Well, Facebook during that period was wouldn't allow any political advertising at all. So this everything was tied that, into the because of the, the, the national elections. It, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So everything that we did was basically just peer-to-peer -peer messaging, memes, um, you know, just spreading the word and and getting getting what videos we had out and things like that. Yeah, we did do some advertising, you know, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, social media, and stuff like that. That was big in our area. And then we also branched out to uh, radio advertising, and we now have a couple of different radio shows that we do throughout the state. There's one that I just got off uh, just a few moments ago in Santa Cruz, Monterey Bay. And then we do a show down in Los Angeles that we fund through the recall, through listener donations. And, you know, it's listener supported, but it's a two hour show that we do on KABC, which is called uh, Friday nights at the French laundry. People can also tune into that. They can watch it live. We stream it like a podcast um, through Facebook and YouTube. And it, it gets rebroadcast to each of our 75 groups plus, 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 because then it gets shared and shared and shared. And, you know, it just keeps growing each week. It keeps getting more and more attention. I want to, so, come but back. we found, we found out that the uh, radio advertisements were cost prohibitive because, you know, for two weeks we can run a couple of 15 second spots and, you know, they may or may not get heard statewide, but and that, that ran us about, you know, $70,000 for two weeks where we get two hours each week on this radio show. And it broadcasts out over, you know, three different counties down in the, the higher populated, more densely populated areas. And I think we get a lot more bang for our buck with that investment versus the other one. And we're also building that that base, the branding, this, and this is something that, you know, we could talk about on the business aspect was something that we were very concerned with early on in the process was we wanted to develop 
our brand and our logo. And that's why every one of our Facebook groups all have the same name. It starts off with recallgavin2020.com and then there's a hyphen and then the county. So you have hyphen Lassen County, hyphen Los Angeles County, Siskiyou County, Sacramento County, all down the line, right? So what that does, two things, it gives, it gives branding identity for those Facebook groups. Each of those groups have the same background profile picture. So there's unity among those groups throughout the state. There's conformity and, and uh, consistency. But then it also has a side benefit of driving traffic to the website. Yeah, and, right. and that the website is where all of the resources are. That, and that was the end goal. The website was developed. So we, we had one goal in mind, and that was the, uh, the dissemination of our, the, the recall petition itself. One of the biggest frustrations people had with the last recall was that it had three signatures on it. And it was had to be printed on eight and a half by 14 legal size paper. Yeah. So for people to print that up at home, they would have to go out and buy an entire ream of paper and then take it home, readjust their printer settings. And it was a pain in the butt. And that caused a lot of problems. And people were printing it incorrectly. They didn't have it, you know, their settings set up properly and things like that. So there was a lot of uh, uh, rejected signatures because of the pro mistakes people were making. <clears throat> so one of one of the things that my team did is we looked very closely at that document and we scaled it down to where it could fit onto an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, make it accessible to people at home more readily accessible. And we also included two additional signatures, so you get five signatures per sheet versus three. And if you know the way petitions are done, you'll know that, um, that, you know, every petition has to have a hand written declaration on the bottom. I have a, a, a dog that jumped into the pool and is swimming. And, and if that's causing too much background noise, I can, uh, I, I can pick up and go to another area if I need to. Uh, I can hear a little bit of rumbling, but it's not, it's not too bad at all. Um, I think, okay. we're, I think we're okay for right now, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. But, all right, uh, good. <laughs> but so you actually, you know, you had, you had brought up something with regards to radio advertising versus just being on a radio show. And this kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had with a gentleman on my show here. His name's Ian Grace from Automotive Mastermind. And this is definitely one of those you know, kinds of traditional forms of advertising that people still do, which is, you know, as he says, very hard to track and you, you can expect very low conversions off of it, but yet it's still necessary to do. Did you do that just because it, it is radio advertising and it's just like, well, we just have to get it out there? Or were you, did you go into it thinking that, you know, we, we, we also need to be able to go into this and convert people and maybe the conversion is not necessarily the donation, but the conversion is to sign up. The conversion is to yep. go to the Facebook. Tell me a little bit about how you thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the Facebook groups, eventually you got to realize that the people that are there are your echo chamber. And you've got to go outside of the echo chamber in order to reach new people, new, you know, 
bring people into the movement or get their attention. And one of the, one of the ways that we did that, we, there was a couple of different mechanisms that we used to do that, that were uh, cost effective. We have the, the radio advertising, the radio show broadcast to new people, um, you know, independent people each week. And for every advertisement that we put out, we'd get, you, you could see a spike in our traffic to, to the website. So, you know, we were able to quantitatively track that and, and get a lot of good, valuable feedback as far as what the effectiveness was with, with these operations. The other thing that we had utilized was um, email distribution. So being a political action committee, we have access to the voter registration database. There's 27 million emails in that database. When you cleanse the database and you go through and you eliminate the the good ones versus the bogus emails or et cetera, et cetera, you realize that, okay, you know, our target market was the non-party preference and the Republican household emails. So when you break that down, there was 1.5 million non-party preference emails that we had access to. There's 1.3 million Republican household. So wow, that's it. That's it. Emails for yes. emails. But out of 27 million, you're saying yeah. that 1.3 was Republican. 1.5 was independent. MPP. Yeah. And th but those were cleansed. And, you know, a, a lot of people, when they're filling out political paperwork, they're going to put a dummy email down that doesn't go to sure, anybody sure, or sure. like me. I'll, I'll put my brother's email down just to mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I do that for sweepstakes, too. So <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. But uh, f fact is, you know, sending out those emails that through an outside source cost quite a bit. I mean, it's, you know, about $2,000 to cleanse each, you know, the, the, for each, the MPP 2,000, to cleanse that email base, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. another 2,500 to cleanse the other one. So there's five grand and then about six to $8,000 to actually send an email out to these folks. So what we did is we sent an email out that included a, uh, uh, PDF. It included a link to the website and included, you know, the access because what was our goal? The one thing we wanted to do and achieve was to get people to download the petition, fill it out and send it in on their okay. own. Okay. They're so very, that's, very so, yeah. effective. So, so this is good because oftentimes when folks would run, you know, when, when, whenever a business owner is trying to do something too many times, it's always about, well, I need to make more money. I need to sell X amount of products. And in today's world of data, and there's so much data, you kind of have to be more hyper-specific about what you're looking to accomplish. And so for you, in order to get to that big macro goal, it's that we need people to download the form. And so after that, then you're, then you're just reverse engineering how you do that. Excellent. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So there's something that we didn't cover that your audience might be curious about is there, there's four mechanisms to gather signatures for a petition. Oh yeah. Let's make it, let's make it harder. Okay. Let's, let's, do, yep. let's go through it. All right. <laughs> so you have your, your volunteer force, right? And then you have your website where people download the PDF mm -hmm. 
And then you have uh, your mail room where people mail petitions in from the outside. Um, and then, and when I say mail room, um, you can send out direct USPS mailers to households. Like we did the email, you can, we actually have people's uh, home addresses and we can send them a copy of the petition, ask them with a self-addressed stamped envelope, ask them to turn it back in. So that's number three. Number four is professional paid circulators and they're very expensive. So look at your, look at out of these four, your volunteer base, which we used exclusively is very cost effective. I think with with the 1.5 million signatures that we gathered through the volunteers alone, that was a, an acquisition rate of about 50 cents a, a signature. Okay. 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 Your the emails and having stuff sent back into us that was a little bit more expensive. I don't know the exact rate, but your direct mailer about two dollars and fifty cents a signature. And then the paid circulators for this initiative, for this recall, it was about $5 a signature. $5 a signature. Which is half the normal initiative. So when you, when you see an initiative that's being circulated out and you're walking into the store and there's a, a paid circulator out there that are taking signatures, they're usually making anywhere from 10 to $15 per signature. Is that a, is how, how big, I, I'm not too familiar with that profession. Is that a big profession? It's huge. <laughs> Holy I wasn't, cow. I wasn't familiar with it at all either, but there's about six entities that do this nationwide worldwide. Um, but nation nationally, there's six corporations that actually produce this and they're kind of like a temporary employment agency basically they uh that like they have people in georgia doing initiatives they have people in different states i think in arizona they're actually handing out government laptops and getting paid 40 dollars per a person to hand out these laptops and then they in california right now the people that i know that are paid circulators are actually going around at 12 dollars a test they're getting people to take a self-administrated COVID test, and then they take that sample and mail it in, and they get twelve dollars from the government for doing that. And, and professional circular, what was the official name? They're they're paid contract professional circulators, and what what they they do different things throughout the state. And forgive me for, uh, and I don't want to disparage anybody, but you know I. I refer to them as kind of a tra traveling band of gypsies <laughs> or car carnival workers uh, for Carnies. lack of a better, lack of a better turn. That, that's what they do. They go from city to city, setting up shop, doing different things, but their main stay is taking signatures for public initiatives. Uh -huh. Wow. So, and we're all hopefully familiar with the public initiative process. That's where, if the public wants to see something done, they have the ability to actually initiate their own laws. We, in California, we can actually amend the state constitution through a public initiative. And that's what these guys do is they, uh, you know, if there's a corporation that wants a law passed, 
they can do it through a statute, through the public initiative process. And then once they get a million signatures and it gets put on the ballot, then the public gets to vote on that initiative. There's your civics lesson for the day. I appreciate that. And that's uh, we'll, we'll definitely replay that one because even I wasn't so familiar with that with with, with that uh, element. Um, let me ask you this. one: so if we look at where the recall is at today um, and, you know, we're getting closer to that September 14th date of uh, voting to a recall and B, who would be the nominee to go up against Newsom in November? You know, what are you are you basically done or what what is what what is the organization's goal now and till till when? There's two questions that are put on the ballot and voting actually begins middle of August, because as soon as the mail in ballots are sent out and they're going to be mailed out, I believe, August 14th or thereabout, as soon as those hit the ground, people are going to be filling them in and sending them in. So their voting has will begin at that point. Um, there's two questions on the ballot. Question number one is, do you support the, the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom? Yes or no? If we get 50% plus one person to vote yes in favor of the recall, then it goes to question number two. You can vote no and still choose a candidate who you want to replace the governor with if the recall were to succeed. Okay. So you can still vote no, but you still want to choose that candidate just in case it goes through. So, but we need to get question number one qualified. And that's what my team is solely focused on at this point. And and so how are you achieving that part? Because I, I mean, I imagine this, this is now a whole new operation, which I hope you, you're giving it a new name, you know, a cool creative name. <laughs> it is phase two. It's, it's Cr- that crap simple. two. It's crap <laughs> there two. There you go. <laughs> so, 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 so the focus is on question one. Can yeah. you maybe tell us a little bit more in detail of what you're doing in order to educate the public, in order to motivate the public? Because I'm sure that's two different beasts right there of education yep. and motivation. It's it's we're we're doing the same uh, basic format with what we did during phase one, where it's a public education format. We're using social media. We're pushing out the the different reasons as to why people need to vote yes. Um, just yesterday, I, I filed the official document with the Secretary of State that gives the argument as to 500 words, what our argument is for in favor of the governor. And I'll tell you what, 500 words doesn't do it justice. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> it's, it's, it was one of the most difficult documents that I've ever had to produce in my career and, uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're almost better off to either speak broken English or speak another language that would like encapsulate, you know, four different words or uh, yeah. whatever the case would be, right? <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So but, um, we're basically, we have the volunteers are still out in the field. Um, they're doing overpass rallies, which is, you know, it's, it's an effective tool that we found during this process. It gives the volunteers something to do. They go out there, they wave flags, they, put these big banners up on the, on the overpass fences and, you know, wave at the cars as they're driving through. And we get, we are getting a lot of very, very positive reactions from people as they go under, under the overpasses and that, you know, they're waving. That's kind of a moving billboard. It's extremely cost effective, 
because we can move it from one overpass to another, to another and around, and we can have multiple overpass and it's free. Basically, you, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars in, in materials and banners and things like that, that can be used over and over again. And it's, it's as effective, it's more effective than any billboard you drive by day in and day out. And you're just so used to seeing those billboards, you don't pay any attention to them. But I'll tell you what, people will strain to read a sign that somebody's holding up over an overpass. They will, I mean, they'll focus on it and it, you know, the attention is drawn right to it. I mean, it's just one of those things, right. That it's like, again, it's, it's, it's very difficult to track our, obviously you're never going to know how many eyeballs looked at that, but you probably have a sense that there's going to be enough eyeballs looking at it, that you're going to motivate enough people at that point that hopefully, hopefully, right. It, it triggers some action. I mean, well, that's, I think always, the, uh, that's always the hope. Yep, exactly. And, and I think the results speak for themselves as far as right, the successes exactly, that we've exactly. had. We, and mind you, folks, um, we knocked this out of the ballpark. <laughs> okay. We went in. Our, our objective was to get enough signatures to qualify. We went in with the idea that, okay, we needed just just under 1.5 for argument's sake we'll say we needed 1.5 million signatures to qualify this special election for the ballot we went in with the assumption that a large percentage of those signatures would be rejected by the secretary of state which they were and so we put our goal out to 2 million and when it's all said and done we turned in 2.162 million so we had a 162 million or 162,000 over our goal that we submitted, but that was after we've already done the initial screening. So there's another 20% that didn't even get counted for because people just didn't put their, their address in, they failed to sign it. They, yeah. you know, they, they put a PO box where they shouldn't have, or the knucklehead that was passing these around didn't fill out the bottom the declaration that had to be witnessed by that person so those all went in the trash yeah that professional circular just lost out on five dollars <laughs> there you go so so orna do you have a little bit more time here there's absolutely a, there's a few more questions i want to get to with you so you know one of the things i had the chance to just do earlier today and and you know forgive me i didn't go through it in too much in detail but I'm thinking about what you're saying with regards to the objective now is to make sure that we continue to educate and motivate the public, the California public, to know that question one, they should be saying and voting yes. Are you polling people or surveying people to get an idea, to get a beat of where that stands right now? Because I didn't see it in the Facebook group, for instance, any surveys that were in there, but maybe it's just far down on the page. No, um, Rescue California, we don't want to duplicate efforts. And I knew that Rescue California was going to be doing the polling. So we allowed them to go out and do that. They have the money and the resources to, to do that where we're on a shoestring budget. Um, the, like I said, the donations that we're bringing in, we, we spend the money as quick as it comes in because we want it. It's not going to do us any good sitting in a bank account or, you know, just, just sitting idle. So we want to get it out and active and that that's going out directly to advertising and materials and things like that. Um, Rescue California did a poll recently and it's very interesting. 
as a matter of fact, the pollster is going to be on our recall town hall. We also do a recall town hall on Facebook and Zoom. It's every Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30, and people can tune in and, and Zoom it. They just need to go to recallgavin2020.com, enter their email, and we'll send them a reminder when, when that Zoom meeting is going to take place every week, Wednesdays. But it's also rebroadcast out to each of our Facebook groups. Um, the the poll shows that, and mind you, they slanted the poll heavy on a conservative bent where it, it would show, how do I say this? Um, the, the results are conservative. Um, <laughs> how do I phrase that? So basically, they went overboard. And okay. they, they wanted to make sure that they were accurate. So they went to the point where they um, skewed it to where it was more more of the liberal or Democrat person. More emphasis was given to their answers than, say, the conservative answers. So, and so yeah, so they waited. So they're waiting the answers and given yeah. more credibility, more weight to those that perhaps aren't going to be in the echo chamber, essentially. Exactly. So, and basically it's, um, you know, it it is within, I think 49 to 51% back and forth. It's if you breathe on the numbers one way or another, it'll, it'll fall in our, in our favor. Okay. Um, and he's doing, he's doing stuff every day, every single day that caused more and more people want to want to, uh, join forces with what we're doing and on the corporate level you know in the auto world you had toyota and tesla pack their bags and leave california recently that's you know that's a those are heavy hits those are big there's been 50 major corporations in california pack their bags and leave to more friendly uh, environment to conduct business apologize for that but uh you know, you had Toyota, Oracle, Hewlett Packard, Tesla, Charles Schwab, and, you know, 45 other corporations yeah. that have just left in this last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the tax environment in, in, in our home state of California is, it's, it's god awful. I mean, Again, now we're going to get a little bit too political, but I'll just add one point in that taxes, taxes are universal. That's not a political matter. I mean, that when they're, they're dipping into everybody's pockets, but and, and California more, is not just over tax. The more that taxes grow, that just means that's another area of your life that government is in. That means that's another area that you do not decide where your money goes. And I, I was actually trying to I, I started the process of like, can I quantify to the you know tenth of a penny, how much of our taxes, or how much of a dollar we give to taxes? And I I'm right now up at about forty five cents, so I'm still looking into it. I I want to say it's going to be closer to sixty cents, but we'll see. We'll I'll dig into that some more. Boy, when you look at the different taxes that we pay, though, I mean, you have property taxes and and sales taxes, gas tax. You know, I mean, you. You go down all of the fees that you pay to to the government, and it's it just gets astronomical. Yeah, astronomical. But uh, it's also California is not just overtaxed; it's overregulated. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so let's go to a a particular topic that I'm curious how you view this because it could 
something like this could happen between now and September 14th, the final day. So there was the incident of Newsom attending the French Laundry restaurant. And obviously you're doing a, a podcast and a Friday a show on every Friday night. How do you or did other than the name of this show, is this something that you look to capitalize on or no? No, not at all. Um, and I always tell everybody that I make the case to recall this governor without mentioning COVID or the French laundry or vaccines, masks, mandates, or anything like that, or even the closures. I can make a viable case to recall this governor without mentioning any of the above. Interesting. Interesting. It kind of reminds but if you if you want to know about that, then we can get that. you know another reason and talking just talking about the, uh, the business aspects of this recall. Um, you know, one of the reasons that this recall is so important to corporations is the environment to conduct business in California. There was a poll that was just done by the California Policy Institute, and you know, in 2019, California was ranked number five for best environment. Okay, and that that's the environment. That's the how people feel about themselves living in California. Okay. Okay. Um, in 2020, just you know, a year later, it dropped to 35th. And then you saw a mass exodus. You've seen a mass exodus of people and corporations flee this state because of the environment of living here, the quality of life that people have here and and the business environment here in California. You know, when that when your like, business it seems like too big of a of a drop just for one year, though, I, there, there has to be some other things about how California goes from number five to, you know, the a, a business friendly environment and being ranked five to thirty five in one year. I don't think COVID could do a drastic change like that. COVID didn't. It's the uh, mass release of prisoners and the dramatic increase in the homeless and the spike in crime you have crime rates that have just exploded. You know, here you have Neiman Marcus that was just looted in San Francisco last week and the police were told to stand down and stand by and watch it happen. Well, and you're seeing Walgreens and Target in San Francisco. Walgreens and down Target stores. are they're they're packing up stakes and they're they're like you're not going to you're not going to protect us then right. we're leaving. And that's the wake of destruction that this governor has left in San Francisco, and he's brought that same mentality statewide, and he'll take it to the nation if he has the opportunity. So now I went a little political on that. It's okay. I'm not going to engage, so we're okay, you know. Uh, So so I want to look at the intersection here of business and politics. So now I'm maybe giving you and us a little bit permission to get a little more political, but Obviously, you would say that 51% of your effort is going to be dedicated to more of the this political initiative and 49% the business. Maybe it's maybe it's the opposite. I don't know. You, you could tell me. But I'm certain that there's going to be times where there's a crossroads in which you have to make a business decision or you have to make a political decision. So again, like for instance, the French Laundry would have been a great example of, say, that could have been a great business decision to go after Newsom using that event and and using press. Right. That that would have been a, a good business decision. You decided not to do that. So, again, but that was a crossroads. 
how do you navigate those waters or do you I didn't think have about to make that, that case I, I didn't have to make that case but do you, the in, media in general though do you think about that making decisions sure. business versus political absolutely um the media made that case for us so we didn't have to spend any time on that and let them make the case for us let them go out there and spin their wheels doing that and focus on that where that frees me up to focus and drive forward in other areas where I can expose other areas like his mass release of prisoners and how that's negatively impacted, you know, businesses and people and communities. Um, you know, how there's the the city of, of Ventura and the beach down there is just polluted with human waste and and trash and homeless encampments up and down and some of the most valuable real estate in our in our entire state is is just being decimated and the businesses and and the surrounding you know commerce that takes place in that area are just being driven into the hole you almost have to step back and look at this and go is there an ulterior motive to to destroying these businesses why what's going on here because nobody's standing up for the businesses and the corporations and i'll tell you what the unions aren't the uh, the union leadership isn't. I have the support of the union membership, but the governor has support of the union leadership and the corporations and a lot of like you would think California Independent Petroleum Association, SEPA, would have a strong interest in the success of this recall. Okay. Because this governor has called out war on the petroleum industry. He's basically said, you're not going to be pumping any more oil out of the ground in California. No internal, more fracking. Internal combustion what? engines gone by the year 2030. Yeah. Which is, which in the auto industry, I mean, you guys just have to be shaking your head at that going, okay, you can't keep the lights on in California. How the hell are you going to charge these cars? And it's, then, it, you know, it, just it, two weeks it, ago, people were told to take their cars off the, off the grid stop charging them on during peak hours otherwise we're going to experience outages yeah so what it's, if you have a dead battery it's a complex issue because it it makes it more complex when you have the heads of the automakers that actually would side with newsom with carb more specifically uh in saying that yes we will adhere to not producing not selling a new car, new internal combustion cars in the state of California. So it's it's very complex, un undoubtedly. But I understand the point of not being friendly to the petroleum industry or to the petroleum um, association. Yep. Uh, are you are you allowed to disclose which candidates that you like? The the as the chairman of the primarily formed committee in my official capacity, I can't. Okay, now, so as a private yeah. citizen, as a private citizen talking, you know, take this hat off, turn it around. Now I'm Orrin Heatley, you know, uh, citizen of Folsom, California. Correct. I feel that I have a First Amendment right to to voice my opinion about whoever I would want to endorse. Now, without saying any names, I think that whoever we choose, we need to get behind somebody who can roll their sleeves up, get right to work, who has the education and experience um, working in this environment, in the political environment, 
to and and who knows the ins and outs because there's a lot of candidates out there who are good people they're all good people but there's going to be such a learning curve that they have to experience when they get into office by the time they figure out what they're doing their term's going to be up and keep in mind during that year that they have or or a year and a half that they have in office they're going to have to begin campaigning for the 2022 cycle. So they're going to have to learn the, the job of the governor of the largest or one of the largest economies in the world. And at the same time, campaign for their, you know, to try and keep people on their side and win that next election going forward. So we need somebody who's going to unify California, who's going to bring people together across the divide. Now, I've always said that this, this recall has brought people together from the entire political spectrum, from all races, all walks of life, from every culture and, and every ethnicity. I have Bernie Kratz that are working on my, my management team with us, okay? We have, you know, lifelong Democrats who voted for this governor. One young lady who actually named her son Gavin, he's nine years old now, because she was so smitten with him when she moved to California. Oh, no. What's um, his middle? She, I hope he has a good middle name, like Ronald. Or something yeah, like there that. you go. Well, um, she is one of my most adamant Democrats. She's still registered Democrat, proud Democrat, but she feels her party's been hijacked and she doesn't subscribe to this agenda and she wants her vote back. Yeah. They want their vote back. You know, we, we have, and, and I'm proud to say, we need a governor who can unify California is bring people together. And I think that with this governor, you've seen a lot of division and a lot of, you know, the one, and I'm going to get political for two seconds. Okay. Because um, this governor's argument against this recall has focused on one thing. And that's the people that have initiated the recall and their background and who they are. And he's tried to demonize and discredit us rather than address the problems that arose that the recall arose from okay so we have done very well i'm proud to say not attacking the governor and this is one reason that i didn't choose to attack his french laundry you know mistake people make mistakes okay that's that's we'll give him that pass um but we we had attack and address his failed policies that are that are hurting businesses in California, that are hurting people in California, that are causing people and corporations to want to leave the state. We want to make California a place worth calling home and a place friendly to do business in again. And this is just the beginning. Um, you know, this governor's argument against it has been against me. Okay, I'll bear that cross. That's not a big deal. But, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, get down in the weeds and, and do a smear campaign. I mean, we have dirt on him that we could blast out there, but his personal life is not part of this recall. It's his political decisions that he's making that affect us here in California that are behind the reasons for the recall. And that's why it's so important that we get everybody's attention. And when we get a new governor in office, that person brings people together and and unites California because we're so divided in our country right now we need to we need to unify and come together and there's not been a political endeavor in our nation that has galvanized people from uh, across from all walks of life like this one has here in California 
Good on you, Arn. Good on you. You know, you remind me of uh, of a character in the documentary, and don't take this <laughs> don't take this as offensive, okay? Because I'm about <laughs> to label you a Democrat. But if you've seen if you've seen the documentary, our brand is crisis, which was based on the Bill Clinton campaign, and specifically, it was on James. Actually, no, no, that was that was another one. That was War Room, I think. I think that was War Room. Anyhow. There was our War Room and our brand is Crisis, and it featured one political strategist and kind of the the leader. I mean, because I think at the end of the day, Orrin, when when you've talked about everything that you're that you've been going through and you're just describing the campaign, it really does boil down to the leadership. And it seems like you're the, you're the person at the table, whether or not whether or not you will gloat or whether you will humbly accept that. Okay. In in this in, in in these two documentaries, the 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 Democrat is James Carville, and he's a brilliant strategist. I don't, do you know who James Carville is? I I know James Carville. Yeah, yeah, he's a brilliant strategist. So it seems like you're you know hopefully there's going to be a documentary on you uh, if should everything uh, go up successful. I wish you all the best in that. Or how can, how can people get involved and donate uh, to the Recall Newsom campaign? Uh, it's very simple. They can go to recallgavin2020.com. Uh, if they want to follow us on our town hall or the radio show, they can they can listen in. KABC every Friday from 7 to 9, kabc.com. They can also go to our Facebook groups and, and log in. They can we rebroadcast it just like your podcast is rebroadcast. So they can watch it live um, with through Zoom, through U- YouTube and Facebook. Um, same thing with our town hall. If they want to make a donation, there's a donation button right there on our website at recallgavin2020.com. Awesome. Mr. Heatley, thank you, sir, for being on the show and for uh, giving us another side of what goes on on the on the recall, uh, recalled Newsom campaign. So all the best to you, sir. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of Whiskey Weekly as we end every show. Cheers, prost, lechem, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabru, tutsins, gambe, yamas, nastrovie, vos, salute, and saugi to the customer experience. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Whiskey Weekly. Whiskey Weekly is part of the podcast channel, Not Your Father's Economy, exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Consider becoming a paid subscriber of Not Your Father's Economy, where you can receive bonus episodes, ad-free episodes that are intended to give you actionable insight to help you professionally and personally. Become a paid subscriber of Not Your Father's Podcast for just $8.49 a month or $94 for the year, and you can cancel anytime. Also, please consider giving Wisco Weekly a rating and review. It's much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in.